The sermon, preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on March 15, 2015, based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus is Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God made or prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Do you know grace? Oh, you know the definition. Grace is God's undeserved love, his unmerited kindness, his unearned favor toward us. But do you know grace? You know what grace, God's grace, has done. Sacrificed his son for us, poured out the Holy Spirit into our hearts through baptism and his word. But do you know grace? You know what Grace will do for God's faithful people. Take care of us in this life and bring us into his glory in heaven. But do you know grace, dear friends? Nicodemus, who you heard about, or you heard Jesus speaking to him in the gospel here today in John 3, Nicodemus thought he knew a lot before he visited Jesus late that night. He was an Israelite. And Israel was the one people to whom God had given his truth, given his revealed truth written down in his word. And Nicodemus wasn't just any Israelite. He was one of the spiritual leaders, a teacher of Israel. And he just didn't talk the talk. He walked the walk. He lived his life according to what he taught. And yet that late night visit to Jesus showed Nicodemus that he did not know nearly as much as he thought he knew. Do you know grace? If we knew grace, why would we ever doubt God's promises? If we knew grace, why would past sins haunt us or worries of the future plague us? If we knew grace, why would sin still feel so enticing? If we knew grace, why wouldn't we cherish the means of grace, namely God's word and sacraments, all the more as our dearest treasure? 
we don't know grace as well as we imagine we do. Oh, we use the word, we know the word, but do we know grace? Through these words given the Apostle Paul, may the Holy Spirit stir in our hearts that desire to know God's grace better and better. May he stir in us that desire to know the greatness of God's grace so that we find in that grace our true hope and comfort and cherish all the more what God's grace has done for us. How great God's grace. Now, as we think about God's grace, take a look at this cross here. It's sort of hard to see the cross when the background is the same color. And yet, if we put the background, change the background here, the cross stands out very nicely against that black background. And that's the same way with God's grace. If we want to see God's grace, much less really know God's grace, we have to have the right background before we can actually see it, much less know it. And that's what the Apostle Paul does for us. He paints the background, first of all. And in the text here, we see that in that phrase, dead in transgressions. That paints the background of what we were, what our inborn nature truly was, dead in transgressions. And that background stands out all the more distinctly when you read the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2, right before the text. In fact, that, that phrase, dead in transgressions, is just meant to remind us of what Paul has been talking about in those first three verses. A portion of those verses says here, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. A dead, rotting corpse, fit only for maggots. That's what we were. The Holy Spirit clearly says that. That's what we were. A dead body can't do anything. A dead body has no power, no power to choose, no power to sit up, no power to open a door. And when it came to doing anything truly good or God-pleasing, we had no spiritual power. No power to choose, no power to take a step toward Jesus, no power to open the door of our heart. Dead. Dead in transgressions. Dead in But if you were listening carefully, the Holy Spirit lets us know we were, in, in a way, even worse than dead. He begins by that, that chapter, we were dead in your transgressions and sins, but at least a dead body doesn't do anything. A dead body has no power at all. And you and I, we were dead as far as good went. We had no power for good, but we were active in evil. Even as, as it goes on here, saying, we followed the ways of this world. 
We pursued the cravings of our sinful desires, our, our sinful flesh. We were in a way worse than dead. We had no power for good, but we were active in evil. And against this background, we ask, how could God not hate us? How could God not hate us who were dead like a, a, a decaying body? How could God not hate us, we who were so active in evil, our, our wants, our desires, our will, our mind, our thought, our heart, our words, our actions, all were corrupt. All were at work against him. And so Paul says here, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, objects of God's wrath, his holy, just anger against sinners like you and me. But against this black, pitch black background of our deadness and darkness, Grace, God's grace bursts in with brilliant brightness. God's grace loved us despite what we were. Yes, God's grace loved us. Oh, there was no reason at all in us for God to love us. Look at our deadness. Look at our darkness. There was no reason in us for God to love us. But yet he did. And he loved you not just with a, a little bit of love or with a sample portion or with a trial bit of love to see how we might respond. No. As Paul says here, he loved us with a great love. He loved you despite what you and I once were. How great God's grace. And so, dear friends, don't try to downplay or cover up your sinfulness. Don't try to lighten up the background. Because then that just blinds us to how great God's grace is. Don't try to excuse your sin by saying, well, everyone else is doing it. Do we really want to be claimed to be still following the world like everyone else? Don't ex try to excuse your sin by saying, but that's the way I am, I can't help it. Yeah, you're right. We are all sinners by nature, but do we want to claim that we are still dead in sin and objects of God's wrath? Don't try to cover up that sinfulness. Don't try to lighten the background rather against the background of what we were, see God's great grace burst in with its brilliant brightness. That grace. See what that grace has done for you, despite what we were. How great God's grace, his grace that loved us despite what we were, his grace that did something so remarkable for us that Paul writes about it here as he says, but because of his great love for us, God, 
who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God's grace. God's grace that loved us despite what we were. God's grace only is found in Christ. That, that's why the grace is symbolized by the cross here. We, we could symbolize it by a heart because God's grace loves us, and yet that can be understood so generically that it's only in Christ, in the cross, that God's grace shows us what he has done for us because God's grace has made us alive with Christ. He's the one that came from the Father full of grace and truth. Without Christ, there is only God's wrath against us. But in Christ, his overflowing grace has made us alive. Yes, take to heart those words where, Christ, uh, where Paul makes it so clear what God has done for us in Christ. He has made us alive with Christ. That's how God's grace saved us. It connected you and me to Christ. So that just as Jesus came back to life, so also God's grace has made you and me alive with Christ. How great God's grace. And when did he do that for you, dear friend? When did he unite you with Christ? When did he make you personally alive with Jesus? Well, when you were baptized. In Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about that. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you have been made alive with Christ, that means you must have also died with him. And that's how God took care of our guilt, wasn't it? Your sins, your sins were nailed to that body, or nailed to that cross, just as surely as the body of Christ Jesus was nailed to that cross. He died your death, for we are united with him. God has made us alive in Christ. Because he has punished Jesus for the sins of the world, which means he has punished Jesus for each and every one of our sins as well. You see, that's how God takes care of our guilt. Not by excusing our sins, but by executing his son as the sacrifice in our place. How great God's grace and so we see that God's grace and its greatness can only be found in the cross of Christ through which he has made you alive with Christ. God's grace has made you alive with Christ. And so all the focus is on Jesus. All the focus is on Christ. And the most well-known passage in this chapter so clearly illustrates for us that all the credit 
goes to Christ and not to us. Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And in a moment we'll, we'll, we'll see just how clearly this excludes any credit from us. But first of all, that word faith itself. Some people, because, because our, our sinful nature so much wants to claim some sort of credit, people often misuse that word faith and think, faith, oh, that's the one thing I do. I make myself believe. But that's a total misunderstanding of what faith is. Faith doesn't come because we self-generate it. Faith holds on to a promise. Without a promise, there can't be faith, and it's the promise that draws out faith. Even in human relationships, it's when someone who is trustworthy makes a promise that draws us to believe what is said. And how much more when the Lord God, the most trustworthy person of all, has made his promise. Faith is drawn out from us by the promise. And so even when it talks about faith, it's not talking about what we do or what credit we can have, and that's so clearly brought out by the other words in the passage, isn't it? This is not from yourselves, not by works. No one can boast as if they could claim any credit. No, God made us alive with Christ by grace alone. Undeserved by us in any way at all, but totally earned and deserved and merited for us by Christ. Without Christ, we cannot see God's grace, much less know it. But in Christ, how great God's grace, for we have been made alive with Christ. And that is not only something God did for us when we were baptized or, or at, at one point in our life, but God's grace continues to be with us every day. God's grace continues to provide us with purpose. And that's the final thing we want to think about briefly here and just, just two quick points on that. God's grace provides us with purpose as it holds before us the final goal when we will seek Jesus with our own eyes, when not we will be seated with him in the heavenly realms, in the glory that is coming Yes, right now we are with him. He is with us and, and we reign with him, but that is all hidden under the trials and crosses of this life. But we look forward to that final goal when in heaven we will see his glory and will be reigning with him in glory. That's what we see in these words here as Paul writes, in order that in the coming ages we might he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And the other purpose that we want to briefly look at is in that last verse there. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This reminds us of the purpose God has for us each and every day. When it talks about us as God's handiwork, the context here makes it clear. It's not talking about how he created our physical body and soul. This is in the context of the new creation, how he made us alive in Christ, and even the words in this passage, in Christ Jesus. Again, bring us to that fact that in baptism you became God's handiwork. 
In baptism, you became his new creation in Christ Jesus. But he didn't just leave it there. He has given us a purpose. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, what is our purpose? To do good works. And yet even in doing these good works, it's not any credit or glory we can claim because even the good works themselves are something that God's grace has prepared in advance for us to do. How great God's grace that has given us purpose not only for this life but for eternity. And so, dear friends, grow to know God's grace better and better. After that night with Jesus, that might have been the first time Nicodemus really began to understand what grace was all about. And he continued to grow in that grace and knowledge. And we also, with Nicodemus, want to grow in God's grace as his word and sacraments present that grace to us in all its glorious brightness. And so we see and know the greatness of God's grace. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.